on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. Comp is basically anything free that a casino is going to give you. So this could really be the free drinks that you get while gambling. That's the most basic level of a comp. You go, you're playing, they give you a free drink. Also, hotel rooms are probably the most common comp outside of free drinks as well. And that's what a lot of people go for, right? They want to get that free hotel room. The flip side for the casino, if they're giving you a comp during their slower periods of time, the hotel room is already going to be empty. So their cost is minimal. They just have to pay to service it or whatever. The same thing with a free drink. You might pay $10 for that drink at the bar, but what is it costing them to give it to you? Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff. And this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 144 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to take a moment to thank my guest from the last episode, Adam Bauer, a.k.a. Travel Fanboy. About a year ago, Adam and I got together on the show to talk about some of the big changes coming to Las Vegas, from major ownership moves to huge casino rebrands. We reconnected to talk about the progress of those changes and discuss some of the upcoming openings and events coming to Vegas this year. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 143, Going Through Changes 2, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I need to give a big shout out to Barrett McCormick in Jacksonville, Florida, who's responsible for the topic of this episode of the podcast. Barrett is a regular listener of the show, and back at the beginning of January, he dropped me an email asking if I could cover the topic of casino comps and tier statuses. Well, Barrett, your wish is my command. I've actually been asked about this a few times, and even though I'm a member of several different loyalty programs, I really have no clue exactly how they work. So I thought I'd turn to an expert to help me out. Sean Coomer is the founder and editor-in-chief of Miles to Memories, a website that focuses on sharing the best tips and tricks when it comes to maximizing the benefits of travel reward and loyalty programs. Sean is also a Las Vegas native and the host of the Miles to Memories Vegas podcast and Miles to Memories Vegas YouTube channel. Sean and I took a deep dive into the world of casino loyalty programs and earning comps. We talked about the best and fastest ways to improve your status with a hotel and casino, whether or not loyalty programs are losing their value, the right and wrong way to earn comps, and much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Sean Coomer of Miles to Memories. I moved to Vegas in 1993 when I was a kid and kind of grew up here and didn't travel a lot. Like I was born in Southern California and we would travel to Vegas on vacation when I was a kid. And then when I moved to Vegas, maybe we'd go to Arizona, but we didn't go very far. And I had a child at 18. So I was a young parent and just sort of getting into life, uh, was working in finance, doing all of that. And I had a conversation with a coworker. She was in her fifties and uh, her son was in his twenties, kind of grown up. And she told me about a trip that they had done to Europe. 
uh, back in the day when he was younger, kind of just going city to city, taking the trains everywhere, kind of that romantic view of uh, travel in Europe. And it's kind of like sparked something in my brain. I was really stressed at work and I just sort of had this idea, why don't we sell everything and travel around the world? So a few weeks later, I spoke to my wife about it and she agreed and we traveled for about a year and a half on that trip with my son. He was six at the time and he came back when he was eight and that really started it. So I didn't have this like grand dream of world travel, uh, but that one conversation sparked it all. And then we did that year and a half long trip, several other long trips. And now we have, my wife and I had a daughter 15 years later, same parents and everything else. So we have kids 15 years apart. And in the last year, year and a half, my daughter is the same age my son was when we left on that trip. And we've been doing something very similar with her. We're semi-nomadic where I live in Las Vegas. I have my home here, but we're traveling. Like last month, we traveled seven months out of the year. And this year, we're trying to do a decent bit more travel before she goes back into school uh, in August. So trying to get the the last bit of long-term travel out. When you have that first conversation with your wife and you say, hey, honey, I've got this idea. how how did that go? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was very nerve wracking. I had done since that first conversation I had with my coworker, I had done a lot of research and found there were other traveling families, people doing these types of backpacking around the world trips with children. And that sort of settled me in. So when I talked to her, it kind of came out of nowhere, but I was prepared. I had all my information all my research. And then we agreed to like do even more research and take a couple months to decide if we were going to do it. And it was a process because we sold everything. Um, so, you know, eventually she agreed. We sold everything. It took us about nine months from when we decided to go to finally get out on the road. But uh, to her credit, like every crazy idea, she's generally supportive of it because, you know, she is, thinks similarly to me. But yeah, that had to be one of the craziest things that uh, a husband could ever say to a wife, but it worked out pretty good. You sound a lot like me when it comes to any time I want to do anything major or make any kind of big purchase or some sort of decision like that. I research the bejesus out of it. And then I sit down with my wife and say, okay, here's all the things. Here's everything that I've looked at. So as you say, she doesn't think I'm just a crazy person coming out with this from nowhere. Yeah. It's like a business transaction, right? You have to approach it with your presentation and have all your stuff lined up and exactly your arguments that you're going to make. Give yourself the best chance of success, I think. So when did you start focusing on travel reward and, and loyalty programs then? What, what got you interested in focusing on these programs? So yeah, we did a lot of travel. That initial trip was mostly budget travel. Uh, like I said, we had sold our house, saved up money, and we stayed in a lot of lo- local guest houses, even the occasional hostel, uh, usually private rooms though in hostels because of having a kid, but didn't use a lot of travel rewards. And then after several years of just traveling a lot, I kind of got into, I think my first credit card was an airline card and, you know, got the miles and kind of real, kind of realized that there was a huge potential here. And during our initial trip, I had blogged a lot about that, just about the travel side of it. And, you know, I was getting back into that. I had come back to corporate America after our big trip and decided to leave again because uh, it just wasn't for me. So I decided to start blogging again. And I really had focused mainly on travel rewards programs at that time. So in 2013, I kind of switched focus and launched Miles to Memories, which was really about kind of sharing our travel experiences, our passion for travel, but also showing people how to save massive amounts of money. 
And like I said, I traveled seven months out of last year. Almost all of that was covered with travel rewards, miles and points. So you're talking about free flights, free hotels, elite status. So when you go different places, you're getting treated really well, getting nice hotel rooms, upgrades, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, it took me a few years to kind of catch on to that existing. And then it's been about a decade of uh, really maximizing it. Was part of the reason behind starting the website uh, a case of saying, you know what, I've been able to maximize these rewards and and figure out how to 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 put this to good use for myself. I'd really like to be able to share that with with other people and have them be able to have the same experiences as me. Yeah, and the travel reward space has kind of matured since then. Back then, it was sort of the wild west. There were a lot of blogs. Now there aren't a ton of blogs doing it, or at least independent blogs. Most of the bigger sites are corporate. Even companies like Forbes and CNN have launched sites kind of competing in that same space. So it was more of a homegrown sort of thing at the time. Now there's a lot of stuff on social media with the same sort of goal. But yeah, it really was to share that message and to kind of open up people's eyes to some of the beauty of travel that I had learned about. And it just turned into my passion. I also thought, hey, maybe I could make a a go of this as a living. And thankfully, I've been able to do it since 2013 independently, which has been amazing. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask me about casino comps and loyalty programs. And that was what I wanted to bring you on to have a conversation about, because despite being a member of several of them, as I think all frequent Vegas visitors are, everybody's got that, um, that ring of cards that they use sliding into the various slot machines. I really don't a hundred percent understand how any of them work. So I wanted to bring somebody on who knew what they were talking about before I started espounding off my own experience going, I don't know, you put the card in the machine, you put the money in and you get free stuff. And, and I mean, I guess that's, that's kind of the gist of it, but I feel like there's a lot more to it than just that. <laughs> yeah, there absolutely is. Uh, these are very complex programs and there are several levels of maturation baked into them now where, you know, and we'll talk about maybe this later, uh, where they're not as rewarding as they used to be, but they're very complex systems that the casinos are using to draw in your loyalty, but also to make sure that they extract as much money as possible from you at the same time. So it's all very calculated. And, you know, we'll go through kind of the different levels of that as you go, as we go, but they are not as simple as, you know, putting it in and, getting a discount or getting a comp, everything is being tracked. So let's start with those loyalty programs then. How does a person go about joining a casino loyalty program? And what are some of the benefits of being a part of one of those programs? Well, nowadays, loyalty programs have like these crazy range of benefits, right? If you go to MGM Rewards site, you'll see all the different tier levels, all the different benefits you could get. And it can be a little bit overwhelming, Uh, And the reason for that is, you know, they are trying to hit different people at different levels and drive the engagement through that. So on the base level, you might get something like uh, some bonus points, right? But everybody gets that. So they even have benefits from somebody who just goes and signs up. But as you work your way up, you can get things like, like free parking, front of the line passes at buffets, stuff like that. So you know, it's really designed to engage you with their properties and to give you some base level stuff. But the truth is that with casino loyalty programs, the real benefits kick in based on your gaming level, how much you gamble, and they're really unpublished benefits. So, you know, there we'll talk about status matches throughout this show, but the benefits can be good for someone just starting out and they get better as you go. 
Are there right ways and wrong ways to go about trying to improve your status? I, I mean, you jump on social media and you see so many people who think that they've they've figured out the system, right? You've got some people that are saying, oh, the best way to do it is to just charge everything to your room and, and charge all of your meals and drinks and, and anything you buy in the stores to your rooms, and that'll help. And then you've got other people that are saying, no, 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 that doesn't mean anything. The best way to do it is, is by gambling. What is the right and wrong way to go about this? So nowadays, rewards programs do track all of your spend. And that is a good way to improve your status is, you know, spending on hotel rooms, spending on the restaurants, everything you do using, for example, MGM rewards across all their properties, you can charge something and you will gain status through that. And you can also gamble at their various casinos and, you know, improve status that way. But the truth is, you know, I've lived in Las Vegas a long time and my dad always said those big casinos aren't built uh, with winners, right? People losing money is the name of the game. So if you're improving your status, chances are you're making them money. And while everybody has a system, right? The most of the time I've lived in Las Vegas, let's let's put it this way. I've lived in Las Vegas a long time and I've heard a lot of stories from gamblers and how they've figured out the system and how they're doing good. And generally that's just never the case. And if you do find a small loophole or something, you know, the chances are they'll close it or that you're the only one who has figured it out. They base everything on a theoretical expected loss. So when you sit down and you're playing a machine, they know what the house advantage of that machine is, and they see how big your bet, how many times an hour you're betting, and they use a complicated algorithm to basically tell them what you're going to do there. And the same thing with table games, it, it works a little bit differently. So as far as gambling and spending, you can definitely improve your status there. But thankfully, in the last few years, casinos have gotten aggressive with status matches which I think are probably the biggest opportunity, unless you're a, a big gambler, to get some benefits in Las Vegas. And I have status with a lot of the casinos. I don't gamble very much at all. I'm glad you brought up status matching because this is something that I did want to ask about. Um, do you feel that things like status matching and programs like Founders Card have devalued these casino loyalty programs to a certain degree. This is a complaint that I've, I've heard a few times and seen a few times on social media from people who um, traditionally earn their status the old fashioned way by gambling a crap ton of money, as opposed to someone like me who signs up for a founder's card, pays the membership fee, turns that into diamond at Caesars. I then walk across the street to an MGM property and go up to the desk there and get that diamond at Caesars status matched into gold with MGM. Uh, are, are folks like me ruining it for everybody? Yeah, in some way it is. It's devaluing the benefits and it's made them focus more on creating levels or benefits for people who play. Like we've seen that with Caesars splitting out Caesars diamond tier into different tiers based on how much you play. So now the base level diamond is far less valuable than it used to be. Um, you know, you speak of founder's card. That's how I got my diamond status uh, back in the day. It's actually how I still get my diamond status uh, because I think it's a good deal and I'm locked in at a good price with them. But back when Founders Card was the only way really to get diamond status with Caesars, it was great. Like the diamond lounges were open and you could go there every night and eat and free drinks. I mean, great free drinks, top level booze and everything else. And there were other, you know, sort of perks that went away, you know, as more and more people were able to match. So today's diamond status is not what it was a few years ago. And I definitely think that has to do with 
more status matches. Caesar started matching MGM a lot more. And then, of course, they had a partnership with Wyndham where people could get Wyndham status through a match and then match to Caesars. And it all became very good if you knew how to take advantage of it. But in the end, that stuff never lasts. And Caesars responded and they've taken away some benefits. So, yeah, I feel like the more elites you get in a tier, the less valuable the benefits will be in the long term. So it's good to take advantage like early when when the opportunities come along. The first year that I had Founders Card was, uh, I think it was 2019 or 2018, right in around there. And yeah, at that time, as you say, like it was, um, there was no level other than the seven stars at at uh, at Caesars. There was no level above Diamond. So yeah, you signed up for that Founders Card and paid the money for the membership, and then rolled into your your Diamond at Caesars, and all of a sudden, holy cow! Like yeah, you were getting some serious. Um, you were getting some serious benefits. You were no resort fees and yeah, the, the diamond lounges and the front of the line and the, the free show tickets and the celebration meal and all that stuff. And yeah, a lot of that stuff has now scaled back to the point where you have to earn it unless you've earned diamond or you've earned diamond elite or whatever it is. You're not getting any of that stuff. So if you used to get all that stuff, it's because of people like me and Sean that you don't get that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, probably. But also I feel like corporations have moved to cut back on their budgets. A good example is the Diamond or Laurel lounges here in Las Vegas. There was, what, six of them back uh, up until basically COVID, and they've been shuttered and they're gone. And it's not because of people like us, because they had made a move to require you to use tier points to to get in. So they had kind of taken people like you and me out of the equation unless we gambled enough to get points. But also they just figured they didn't need to offer the benefit and now they give drink vouchers to seven stars and whatever, and they don't have to staff the lounge and do everything that they did. And I really can't emphasize enough how good those lounges were, especially for a local. Like my wife and I both had diamond status, and there was nights where we would go do date nights with friends and you know have a few drinks and go have a nice time on the strip. Maybe you'd start at Paris, have a couple of drinks there, spend a couple hours, end up at Caesar's Palace, get another drink. And it was really valuable while it lasted but yeah, I, I feel like status matches combined with corporate Las Vegas and the maturation of you know bean counters and corporate decision making have really taken away some of the cooler stuff that you can get. Are there any particular casino loyalty programs that are better to be a part of than others? I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking specifically of situations where there may only be one or two casinos under a particular loyalty umbrella, as opposed to signing up for a program where you've got the opportunity to do earning at multiple properties all over the city. Yeah, this is a real kind of issue in Las Vegas because you have that duopoly of Caesars and MGM. So they don't have the best programs, especially now after they've changed things the last few years, but they have the best selection of properties and sort of overall benefits. So a lot of people are indoctrinated into those. Uh, every program differs, but what we've seen in the last few years is programs changing the way that you earn points or tier credits or whatever, and it's not for the good. They've really slashed earning. And so what I think people should look for without giving a specific program is the ones that anecdotally are giving better comps. And you know, it, at a place like Sahara, for example, they're known to be very generous with their comps. And I can speak to that with my wife and some of the comps she's gotten 
from there. And Cosmo used to be another one, although Cosmo's identity program is going away here in the next month or two as it gets rolled into MGM Rewards. But those types of programs are going to give you better access to comps. A lot of times they're more generous with free hotel rooms, free comps at restaurants, stuff like that. But you're trading off because you're locked to that one property. Um, And then also, you know, going off strip can help a little bit or going even downtown for those sort of low level comps. But in general, they all basically work the same. So I would look at what is, what are you earning points wise, status wise, for your play. And it's important to know that every machine kind of earns differently. Video poker earns differently than slot machines and even different video poker games can earn differently. It's all based on what the house expects to get back. So slot machines are the worst thing to play in a casino. And you've noticed this, Jeff, that 10, 15 years ago, casinos were full of video poker machines and those have a much lower house edge. And now it's all these video slot machines and that's what people like to play, but they can have expected payouts down in the 80% range, whereas video poker oftentimes is, you know, 96, 98, 99% payback. And the same thing with the tables. They calculate the tables differently based on what you're playing, how much you're betting. And there is some strategy with that because you can kind of keep an eye on the pit boss, up your bets when the pit boss comes back because tables are, you're rated in a manual way. Basically the pit boss decides how much he thinks you're playing and how you're going to be rated for comps and everything else. So there are strategies with that stuff, I think it's finding a property you like, you know, I wouldn't go to this. If you don't like the Sahara, I wouldn't go play there just so you can get an extra free dinner. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I also think that's what MGM and Caesars have figured out by kind of scaling back their programs that they have enough of a prop of a benefit to offer with their various properties that they don't need to be the most generous. Let's talk about those comps because this is something that a lot of people want to know about. You go on to various Vegas related Facebook pages. Everybody's asking about comps. How do I earn comps? How do I get comps? What is a comp? I don't even know what that word means. So let's start there. For those who are not in the know, what is a comp? Comp is basically anything free that a casino is going to give you. So this could really be the free drinks that you get while gambling. That's the most basic level of a comp you go you're playing they give you a free drink most often comps are free meals or credit at property also hotel rooms are probably the most common comp outside of free drinks as well and that's what a lot of people go for right they want to get that free hotel room uh, and at a place like cosmo which was known under their identity program for being super generous those are some of the nicest rooms in las vegas so you're really getting something where you feel there's a great value The flip side for the casino, if they're giving you a comp during their slower periods of time, the hotel room is already going to be empty. So their cost is minimal. They just have to pay to service it or whatever. The same thing with a free drink. You might pay $10 for that drink at the bar, but what is it costing them to give it to you? And you know, meals, everything sort of falls in line with that. So you feel like you're getting this great retail value. It's costing them a lot less. But basically, yeah, comp is anything that a casino gives you for free. It could be concerts. It could be experiences. uh, They even give cash sometimes as comps to big players. And I think it's important as well to clarify that those, quote unquote, free drinks or free hotel rooms aren't really free per se in that that drink that you could have bought at the bar for $10 or that room that you could have booked on Expedia for $50 is costing you whatever it's costing you to gamble. So again, that that drink in the casino may cost you 10 bucks at the bar or 
12 or 15 or whatever, depending on where you're playing, but you just put $50 in a slot machine and it's likely you're going to lose that 50 bucks. Realistically, that drink just costs you $50. Yeah. And you're getting drunk at the same time. So you're making poor and poor decisions and putting more money in there. I think every gambler or everybody who gambles has had a moment where they went, Oh, I'm just going to put $20 in. I'll get a drink. And then before they know it, you know, the cocktail server hasn't even come yet and you're, you lost your money and you're like, Oh man, that was an expensive drink. So yeah, exactly how it all works. And it's all calculated on every level. You know, it's a well indoctrinated system and people are always trying to beat it. But in the end, the casinos come out ahead. It's really just, I feel like the best attitude people have towards the whole thing are the ones who kind of buy into that. They understand that they're getting entertainment value and they try to control their spend and get as much benefit out of what they're spending in the casinos, as opposed to people who are like, I'm trying to get stuff for free. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> None of this is free. Uh, we say that in, in the travel reward space as well, too. People will always say, I got this free trip or, you know, and it's not really free. You're spending miles, you're spending, you know, currency that you've accumulated time, everything else. What is the, um, the quickest easiest and best way to earn comps. And I'm thinking that those are, even though I'm asking it as one question, I'm thinking it's actually three separate questions with three different answers. Yeah. I think one, one strategy I would tell people is sign up for loyalty programs and, you know, do a little bit of gambling. So if you know, you want to go do an afternoon of gambling, go to the Sahara, for example, this is not sponsored by the Sahara. I'm just going to use them as an example. If you've never signed up with them, then they don't have a lot of data on who you are as a gambler. And that can really help with comps. And that's probably the easiest way to get comps is they don't have that algorithm to really figure out who you are at the beginning. So oftentimes you will get much more generous comps early on, especially if you're not a big gambler, because uh, they're going to base it on your initial play. So if you're playing in a way that maybe is more extravagant than you normally would, that is something that you can take advantage of. And this has worked many other places. This also works in combination with status matches. When I first got upgraded to diamond with founder's card back in 16 or 17 with Caesars, all of a sudden I was getting hotel comps and I was getting all these comps. Eventually they figured out that I wasn't you know, spending the money in the casino that they wanted, but I got a bunch of free rooms out of it. Similar things with MGM and the other ones. So I think the easiest way to get comps, if you're, especially if you're not a heavy gambler, is on the day you sign up, if you do have play, you know, kind of time it properly, play some, and you probably will get some nice comps. But other than that, you know, gambling obviously is going to get you comps. Like I talked about, there's a difference between tables and, and machines. And even within the machines at tables, make sure that you're being strategic with how they're rating you. If you feel like you're placing $10 bets, but then you've upped it and the pit boss doesn't rate you in a better way, you can always challenge that too and say, hey, I've been doing this for this amount of time and you won't always win, but the pit boss will look at that and maybe you can get a better rating, which is going to help with your comps as well. And then avoid, uh, avoid slot machines. Cause you know, any comp you get from playing on slot machines is probably going to cost you five or 10 times what you're going to get back in value. It's interesting that you bring up this idea of, um, planning to sign up ahead of your trip or, or planning your trip around signing up for a, a, a rewards program or a loyalty program. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I had friends of mine that were asking about trying to get a deal on a hotel room and how they could go about doing that. And I said, well, have you signed up 
for any of the rewards programs yet. And they said, no. And I said, okay, we'll go ahead and, and sign up. You never know. You might you might get some deals. So they signed up for Caesars Rewards. And when they logged into their account for the first time, they actually already had comp rooms at some of the lower tier properties. It was like those, um, those corporations were saying, hey, um, if you sign up, that means you're interested. If we float you a free room, you're going to come, you're going to stay here, and you're going to spend some bucks with us, which, of course, they did. Yeah, and in the end, they've done all the math. And that's really what I want to emphasize to people out there. They've done the math. So maybe your friends or the odd people who just came, took advantage of that, never gambled, and went on their way. But the vast majority of people who take advantage of that are going to spend more money. And over time, they've been able to figure out what that value is. And that's why they offer that sort of stuff. And you can find it with other programs as well. And even ongoing, like I don't have much of a gambling history at Caesars anymore, so I don't get comp offers. But because I have diamond status, midweek rooms are often $10 at places like Horseshoe or Harrah's or Flamingo. And so I can still get really cheap rooms. I still get waived resort fees with my diamond status, which I think is probably the best benefit in Las Vegas. And MGM added that for their gold status when they launched the new MGM rewards as well. So even though I don't gamble and I'm not getting free rooms, I can still get free resort fees and other stuff as well. So there's a lot of you know different strategies with that. But in general, like if we're talking about the Caesars and MGM aside, if we're talking about the smaller programs, I would wait to, to sign up, do it in person, no, do it on a day you're gambling. And generally you're going to get something decent back. So there are a lot of ways to take advantage of this stuff without gambling heavy, but over time they'll figure that out and you know it won't be as nice. And I think it's important to um, to to emphasize as well, sign up for the rewards program that is affiliated with the hotel that you're going to be staying at. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know in my case, I tend to gamble more um, at the hotel that I'm staying at. And I think that's just out of sheer convenience. I, I'm out all day. I'm out all night. I come back to the hotel. I think, you know what? I'm not quite ready to crash out as of yet. I'm going to sit in the casino, have a couple of drinks and play some games until I either run out of money or I hit it big, whichever comes first, usually the running out of money part. But the fact is I'm, I'm there. I'm in that hotel. I'm probably going to gamble more in that hotel than I am anywhere else in the city. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what these programs are doing for the casinos, right? They're driving your engagement. You're staying in the hotel. You're earning tier credits for what you're paying for the hotel, for your restaurants. You don't want to go across the street and gamble somewhere else because you want everything feeding back to your main account and helping you build points and status and comps and all of that. And I should, one little quick thing about comps too, is a lot of times as you're earning points, those points have value towards comps as well. But most of the good stuff with comps are what are customized things that they will offer you like free rooms and things like that. So you do earn those comps in different ways. But yeah, I think just like when you go to the grocery store or even nowadays, all the food apps like Panda Express just announced today that they're launching a rewards program. Unless you're willing to participate in that, you're not going to get the same value of experience that other people are because that's what they want. They want you engaged in their ecosystem. And of course, they're tracking all of your data and you are giving up something for that privilege. But I feel like in today's society, there's really not much choice if you want to you know, get everything that a place has to offer without joining their loyalty program. So I absolutely agree. You definitely want to join and you know, just be mindful of 
especially if your goal is to get the most value of what you're doing. Don't join and then on that trip, gamble $10 only and then you know expect anything ever to come again. You know, Be strategic with it. If you know you're not going to gamble at all on a trip, then perhaps stay at a property that's not in the casino loyalty program that you really favor because they're going to know that you came to Vegas and didn't gamble for three days. Would you rather that be at a hotel that doesn't matter to you or in your main program? So there is a lot of strategy that goes into it. I never even would have thought about that. The whole idea of staying at a property that you have a relationship with, but not gambling throughout a trip actually um, hurting you when it comes to your status or your earning that that's not even something that even would have entered my mind. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you have a long established track record with the casino, it may not be too bad, but that all goes into their calculations. And if they can't expect that you're going to gamble, or if you only gamble a little bit, that's going to affect you over time, even if you've gambled more on past trips. So it's not necessarily a death to getting anything from them, but also you're giving them data that's counteractive to what you want them to have. You want them to have data saying, this is a good customer. This is a person that's going to lose so much over time. And you know, not gambling is certainly giving them the wrong voice. So I know a lot of like hardcore gamblers, people who are heavy into comps, if they have like a trip where they know they're not going to be gambling or they're here for a conference or something, they'll use programs they don't care about or hotels they don't care about. And then when they have like a big gambling trip where they have a big bankroll or they plan to spend a lot of time in the casino, now they go to their favorite loyalty program, their favorite hotel, and they really concentrate their play there. Different people that I've talked to in the past, um, particularly a couple of uh, casino hosts that I've had on the show, have talked about the idea of chasing comps. And this is something that I've also seen bandied around on uh, different social media channels as well. My understanding of that is basically um, spending more than you can maybe afford in an attempt to try to get something for free. Is that the the general idea of it? And And what can people do to avoid falling into that trap? Like with anything in life, like lifestyle creep, I think factors in and you start wanting more and more and you get enveloped in the ecosystem. Uh, you're chasing the next level of status. And this happens not just in casinos, but in all kinds of loyalty programs. It's a big problem in the travel side as well, where now you're staying in nicer hotels and you're spending more, even though maybe you're using points to offset the cost. So, you know, chasing comps is really people that are looking to get that carrot that's being dangled in front of them, whether it's a trying to get a better package uh, for a vacation, like better free play or, or more money. Um, you know, a recent example is Caesars held Adele tickets over everybody's head and gave a lot of people Adele tickets. And so people will, they'll indoctrinate themselves. They have to get to a certain level to get there. They'll play more. And it's all very psychological. So you really have to kind of ground yourself outside of these loyalty programs, outside of these casinos, stick to what you're doing. How much can you afford to lose? What are you willing to spend on the entertainment? And I think that's the way to look at gambling. The, gambling can be a serious problem for people. I lived in Las Vegas almost my entire life. I've seen some terrible things coming from it, but I've also seen the healthy side of that where people, uh, they understand their entertainment value, they understand what they're getting, and then they operate within that. So you have to really stay true to yourself. I, there was a thread on Twitter a few weeks ago, and we talked about it on our YouTube show where this guy talked about his last seven years, I think, of comps at Cosmo, and he played uh, high limit slots, and he tracked all the money in and the money out, and he talked about all the comps he got and the value, and you know he spent I don't know forty thousand. Actually, it wasn't too much money for all those years, but 
you know, he understood I spent this amount of money. This is the value I got from all the comps, the free rooms, the free food and drink and everything else. And at the end of the day was that amount of entertainment, all those trips, I think it was 105 nights over that period of time he spent at Cosmo. He felt it was worth it. I think that's the healthy way to look at it instead of chasing what they're going to give you. Are you getting entertainment from it? Are you staying within your budget? Are you getting the overall value? And then what are you spending for that? And you are spending something, you know, it's not free. And, you know, the gambling can add up really quickly. And to your point about sitting down for the free drink, you know, how much are you spending for that free drink? It kind of multiplies as you get to bigger and better things that you want. And they'll dangle everything from Formula One packages to Adele tickets to whatever to get you to gamble. Yeah, I saw that same thread. I think I probably saw it on on your guys' feed when you shared it. And it, it was kind of eye-opening. It was really interesting to read. And when you put it in that perspective of, as you say, the value that you're getting out of what you put in, as long as what you're getting out of it is is better in your mind than what you're putting in, I think you're doing it right. I mean, I know for me personally, I'm nowhere even close to a high roller. I'm a a super mega low roller, but I'm still getting what I perceive to be good value out of what I'm putting in, particularly when I look at not even so much um, comp rooms, but super deep discounted rooms. I mean, I've traveled and stayed at, at different hotels uh, a couple of years ago. My wife and I stayed at what was then Bally's for like $12 a night. So, I mean, in my mind, that's completely worth it for what I'm putting in. So again, I think it's important to make sure that you've got that perspective on what you're doing. Exactly. And if you think of it in that way, it's more healthy, I think, relationship with the experience. And that's why I can love Las Vegas and love the spectacle of Las Vegas and talk about it, but also acknowledge, you know, the problems with gambling and people who have issues with gambling and, you know, that the casinos are not your friends. Uh, The casino host is not your friend. His job is to extract as much money from you as possible while making you feel good. And some people love that. They don't mind spending the money and they, they get such a great value out of the entertainment that they spend, you know, significantly more than probably you or I would, but that's okay. I think the important thing is looking at that, being honest with yourself about what you're spending, what the value you're getting at, and then start strategizing as to how you can maybe squeeze a little bit more out of it. You know, don't, spend more than you would otherwise to get these things, but also don't leave stuff on the table for what you're already spending. After the break, Sean and I discuss the future of Las Vegas and the shift away from gambling to experiences and the perception that comps are quote unquote getting worse. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. There's a perception out there right now that the comps are getting worse. And I've noticed this to a certain degree. I mean, don't get me wrong. As a guy who only gambles three or 400 bucks a trip, um, I'm just happy to get whatever I can get for free. I'm not complaining, but I have certainly noticed a decrease in the amount that I'm getting. Um, It feels like as Vegas is coming back, as the hotels and casinos are getting busier, as things are starting to pick up, the resorts are getting stingier with the comps. Is that um, is that reality or is that just a perception? Yeah, the comps are getting worse. And it, I think a few reasons are because what I talked about, the loyalty programs are more mature than they've ever been. Their algorithms are more mature. 
And so they're better able to target the people they want to target. And, you know, if they, they're able to figure out what your value is to them pretty quickly. And so that does hurt, especially for people who don't gamble as much. But also to your point, the casinos and hotels are busier than ever. You know, I think we're 13 or 14 months of record gaming revenue on the strip. Uh, average room rate is at all time highs, significantly more than it was pre-COVID. And occupancy rates are very high as well. So there's less rooms for them to give away. And I also think that we got kind of skewed a little bit because COVID saw a lot of comps, right? You got a lot of, they were trying to fill their hotel rooms. They were doing a lot to make people come. And then they needed to stop that because people were coming anyway. And it's just a typical sort of corporate thing where they figured out where they're wasting money by being overly generous and they've pulled back a lot. So I do agree. Comps seem less, especially free hotel nights, less free play, less incentive. So people who used to get maybe $200 in free play and uh, free weekend nights, you know, now are getting comp offers for just free weekday nights with no free play. So even when people are getting offers, they're just not as good. And it feels like the same thing has started to come up as well with the various um, online games that used to be out there floating around the pop slots and my Vegas slots and my Vegas blackjack and my Konami and, and those types of games where you could earn real world rewards for playing with fake money. When I first started playing those games, it was like the wild, wild west. I was getting free rooms at Park MGM and free rooms at Mirage and free rooms at Luxor like crazy. And in recent years, it feels like those have gotten significantly more restrictive and much more limited. Yeah, my Vegas is an interesting thing. It's just, I think, also a element of supply and demand there as it became more popular and more people were doing it. The offers went from like a free room to, you know, discounted rooms. Some places still do have free rooms, but even then there's requirements. Like I think you're not allowed to be a local and, you know, there's all kinds of different requirements for every offer now on my Vegas where to your point, it was just like, Oh, you get a free room, you get a free dinner. Uh, it was a lot easier back in the day. There is still some value. Like Win has a slots app that has some interesting value. You do have to pay to get to a certain level where you're earning free nights but in many cases, I don't remember the exact number, but you could pay like a hundred ish dollars and get some free nights with wins. So it could make sense. But everything in that realm is sort of like that, right? There's always a gotcha. You have to figure out, you know, what's making the most sense where back in the day, yeah, it used to be easier, which goes back to the point of getting in early. You know, getting in early is the way to to take the best benefit because over time, things are just going to get less generous as they figure out the economics of all of it. We're at a really interesting tipping point with Las Vegas right now, I think, in that um, where the economy is, and we keep hearing about how we are on the uh, precipice of a recession and things could just at any minute go like that. Meanwhile, Las Vegas is increasing room rates and we're seeing the addition of fees that never existed before parking fees in places that there never used to be parking fees and um, resorts upping the resort fees and all these weird little percentage fees and service fees and things like that popping onto people's bills. At what point do people say, mm -mm, that's it, I'm done, I'm finished, and they stop going to Vegas? Is that time coming? Yeah, I think so. It's funny because we do our MTM Vegas show on YouTube and has a fairly sizable audience. And we hear from a lot of people about this specific topic. And these are people who love Las Vegas. They're watching a news show about Las Vegas. You know, you really have to love Las Vegas in order to do that. And so many people are negative about this exact topic. 
the nickel and diming, you know, the perceived value, uh, the experience not being as nice when it's overly crowded and, uh, you know, everywhere you go, drinks are $20, meals are way overly expensive. You're paying even more for the hotel room or you're not getting the comps that you used to. And this is all a reality of what Las Vegas is today. Uh, there are really, like I said, the average room rate is as high as it's ever been. Gaming revenues are as high as they've ever been. So I feel like a lot of people who kind of grew up coming to Las Vegas or have come here for a long period of time, it's a different Las Vegas now than what they're used to. And it does make them bitter. And I do think on some level, this is going to have to change because right now people are spending money like crazy and they're coming to Las Vegas. But if that's not happening, I think that we'll see them adjust. Although I don't think we'll ever see things like paid parking get taken off. I don't think we'll ever see things like resort fees taken off unless they pass that law that you know President Biden wants to pass. But I do think that the goal of these places is to you know get as much money to figure it all out. And back in the day, it used to be the casino was the main driver of revenue. But today, that's not the case. The hotels drive their own revenue. They have to make a profit. So do the restaurants and all of the other venues there. And what that means is there's less loss leaders like you know, 99 cent shrimp cocktails, cheap buffets. All of that has gone away. In fact, you know, almost all the buffets in Las Vegas are gone. And that's because they were loss leaders. They didn't make the casinos a ton of money. They took up a huge amount of space and they figured out the economics don't work. So I feel like the Vegas experience has eroded in some ways, but I am hopeful we have a lot of new operators coming into town in the next few years, whether it's Genting at Resorts World, Hard Rock taking over Mirage, Fountain Blues about to open. You have new operators at Virgin and over at Palms and new casinos being developed like the Dream on the south end of the Strip, which is going to be managed by Hyatt. You have the redevelopment of Rio by Dreamscape, who just finished an $850 million funding round to be able to get that done. So we've been kind of operating in this duopoly of Caesars and MGM for such a long time, but we're getting more and more players, which hopefully will help with competition. And uh, there are significantly more people owning casinos now than there were you know, 10 years ago. Although there's this very strange situation with the separation of operations and land and all that. But the key thing to know is more casinos are being run by different companies than there were before. And that's increasing, it seems like, in the next five years. Yeah, hopefully that competition from other operators coming into the city is going to help um, not necessarily drive down prices, but but as you say, improve the value. And it's interesting to hear you mention about the um, the change in where revenue is coming from. If you're a numbers nerd like I am, I, I look forward to to reading the financial reports that come from the different resort companies. And over the years, it's been fascinating to watch the um, sources of revenue shift from gambling to these experiential things. It's bars, it's clubs, it's nightlife, it's restaurants, it's uh, big residency shows, it's events like F1 and Super Bowl coming into the city and, and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Las Vegas Raiders helping to bring people into the city for those experiences. And as you say, parking fees, that is never going to go away. That's a, a revenue source that these resorts have tapped into that um, is is making them huge amounts of money. And as far as resort fees go, I still say that if the resort fee um, is taken away by law, I don't think people are going to be happy with the results. The hotels are not just going to up room rates by $45 to make up for that resort fee. 
it's going to be, I think, a significant increase to make up for the additional commission that those companies are now going to have to pay out to the various travel agents and online booking agencies that they're currently not having to pay out because it's a resort fee that's going 100% into their pocket. Yeah, you make some great points. Resort fees going away aren't going to make anything cheaper. And a lot of people don't know that the main driver of why resort fees were initiated was to avoid commission fees to online travel agencies and stuff like that. And yeah, they'll just roll that into the price. I do hope when it comes to resort fees that we get some sort of legislation requiring full disclosure up front, meaning that if you go to Expedia and you search a room, that that price that they show you on the first screen is the total price, including all of the fees. And that's what you see in airlines right now. If you go to get a ticket for an airline, it's showing you a price and that's the price you pay, even though there are government fees and taxes and other things included in that. So that's the hope. I don't really think that we'll see resource fees go away, but disclosure would be a good thing. And to your point, if they do go away, that money is going to come in other you know, forms and facets. But speaking to the, the new players again, I once heard someone talk about the different eras of Las Vegas and how it reinvented itself for every generation. And we saw that kind of with you know, a reinvention in the 50s and 60s with more of like the Rat Pack and, and that sort of entertainment. That was sort of the first mainstream version of Las Vegas. In the 90s, we saw the family-friendly version kind of emerge. And you know, today we're kind of in the hybrid system that came out of that. Las Vegas quickly turned away from the family-friendly stuff, went heavy on restaurants and other stuff. And now, as you point out, we're going heavy into experiences. And that's really what this younger generation of up-and-coming adults wants. We saw Universal just announce uh, basically a, a year-round haunt park. Uh, Area 15 has been really good. All of the sports stuff and the prices for this are really high. And so they're driving huge amounts of revenue. And you know we're definitely heading into that experiential version of Vegas. But also, it's kind of fun because we are getting a lot of new properties. We haven't had that since basically the 90s, or I guess the, the boom in the mid 2000s before the recession, where you got City Center and Cosmo, you know, we have a huge amount of new properties. That's also going to change the demographics on the strip as they're competing with each other and people are trying out the new products. And sometimes it's with mixed results. I don't know how you feel about Resorts World, but a lot of people feel it's sort of bland and corporate feeling. And that's what the new kind of thing is. So is that what the new Vegas will be? Will somebody else? build something like Circa. But these same conversations were the ones people were having 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. This is why I don't think Las Vegas is going to die. Las Vegas has always figured out a way to reinvent itself, to remain relevant in the conversation. And even as we've seen gaming spread to 48 states, sports betting is bigger than ever in so many states, people still see Las Vegas as a destination. Unfortunately, those of us who have been here a long time are going a long time. It's not the same Las Vegas as it was even 15 or 20 years ago. And that's something we have to accept. And that's something I have accepted. And that allows me to really enjoy it for what it is today, which isn't what it was, but still a pretty cool, unique place that you can't really find anywhere else. Let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on online. You, of course, have the website, milestomemories.com. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you're in the podcasting and YouTube space as well. Tell me a little bit about what you guys do there. Yeah. So in Vegas related stuff, we have the MTM Vegas YouTube channel or Miles to Memories Vegas is the name of the channel. And uh, I do a twice weekly show with my co-host, Mark Osterman. And we talk about all the latest Vegas news, 
info. We really like the fun side of stuff. So we like to laugh at stuff, kind of pick stories that are interesting. So we cover all of the changing demographics of Las Vegas, all of that kind of stuff, but also fun, interesting, quirky things, which to me are the best parts of Las Vegas. I also, we also released that as a podcast, the MTM Vegas podcast. We combine those two shows into audio form for people who want to listen as a podcast. Although the video form is the best way because we put all the visuals and everything that go with the stories. I also do the Miles to Memories podcast, which is all about miles, points, and travel. And that ties into the Miles to Memories website where we have about 50 different posts a week talking about travel rewards, credit cards, deals, everything in that sort of realm, including Las Vegas and some of the loyalty program stuff as well. So cover all of that stuff. And if people want to find you on social media, you are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as well. Yeah, we're everywhere on social media at miles to memories. And we even have a Facebook group over 15,000 people talking about travel rewards and everything else like that completely free. If people want to learn more about about that stuff and dive into that, uh, you can find that on Facebook as well. Awesome, Sean. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to jump on and have a conversation about all this stuff. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production.